This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me David McLaughlin. He is the founder and CEO at Quantiverse. I've had David on in the past uh, because he has an extraordinarily cool set of tools. But uh, today we wanted I wanted to visit with him about the current coronavirus health crisis and economic downturn and some of the things that he and Quantiverse is hearing from his customers and perhaps some of the advice he's giving. So, David, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, uh, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and welcome back. Tom, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me again. So, what are some of the top questions that you are fielding from your client base at this point in time as we begin to reopen the economy literally across the country? Yeah, Um most of the questions that we're getting directed to us from our customers uh, have been about uh, the work, uh, you know, the work that um, we, that the platform does uh, to support their businesses. So, um, you know, we've driven a great deal of automation to, to our customers and their compliance departments, but, you know, not all of them have uh, adopted uh, the capabilities, not all FIs have adopted the capabilities and, and our customers haven't even adopted the same sort of levels of automation that the platform uh, offers. So, you know, most of those questions are about what else can you do to, to support our business uh, during this time? Like, for example, we have a customer that, you know, really struggled with having to spend time each month uh, finding missing country codes that were part of their international wires. You know, they would, they would have a, an employee literally spend three days uh, Google searching entities to try to uh, find out um, where they were, if they weren't in the, the transaction. And so, you know, they had a struggle with that. So they just, they used just that piece of our capability to automate that derivation of country code. And now they're coming back to us and saying, okay, that that's working great. And that's saved a bunch of time and effort for us that we can uh, point elsewhere what other sort of entity profiling capabilities that you all have that we can uh, take advantage of and, and um, you know, lead to a better understanding uh, of the entities that we're transacting for. And, and, you know, in a similar vein, we had, we have customers that are just availing themselves of our adverse media capabilities. They, you know, as, as they do adverse media in their investigations, they have to, again, go out Google search, try to find the entities, read the articles, determine whether the entity that they're looking for is the bad guy. So we've automated that collection and sentiment analysis. So now the, the analyst, the investigators, given that information without having to spend time searching and, and reading, and then they can just evaluate. And so, you know, Organizations that have taken advantage of that, that know about our entity profiling, are are asking to put those together 
in creating entity risk scores that, you know, is completely automated. And um, we actually came uh, upon the idea of our investigator contingency solution when a customer told us that they weren't ready to automate the entire investigation yet. So just the, the organization was not there to do that, but they wanted the ability to have that capability on the shelf and be able to turn it on at an immediate notice in case they got into a situation where they were not able to keep up with alert volume. So again, just some examples. They're, they're really asking us about what additional things that we can do to help them uh, manage uh, shortages and overflows in this time. David, as you know, many of my listeners come from the anti-corruption compliance space. And one of the things that the Department of Justice has made clear in that space is that your obligations to continue to resource your compliance program, your obligations to continue to document your compliance program are ongoing uh, during this. Even if uh, the economic downturn negatively impacts your company, you still under are under obligations to meet the uh, the spirit and the letter of the law regarding compliance programs. Is, uh, do you find that to be true for uh, financial institutions uh, as well? Oh, completely. Yeah, the uh, you know we work both in the bribery and corruption and the AML space, and and uh, the FIs that are um, utilizing our platform for uh, AML have gotten that exact message from their regulators as well. You know, as a um, matter of fact, the the FFIC uh, and I'm sorry, FinCEN has uh, told them that they are still accountable for all the the work that. Uh, they need to get done to to manage this uh, risk and this compliance effort. They've they've shown some leniency about timing of reporting, but they have been very clear on the the requirement to continue to report um, these potential risks. David, another concern that I've tried to articulate is that uh, if you have a violation today. Um, and that violation percolates along, and at some point you have an enforcement action or a regulator comes knocking, and that point is two, three, four, even five years down the road, and if you don't have sufficient documentation, the regulator's not going to say, well, you know, that was Q2 2020, and we all know what happened. They're going to expect Mm -hmm. that documentation. Would that also be true in the regulated financial institution space? Oh, definitely. There's uh, clear... Uh, guidelines on um, uh, what that reporting needs to be, and and um, even if an alert is created that is uh, determined not to be a, a risky event and, and does not need to be SARD, they have to document, uh, you know, why that decision was made and keep that for uh, any future uh, audits. So, yeah, that that reporting and that that investigation work and that recording work doesn't go away, and and you know, it's just. It's just smart to keep those that information as well to to be able to support in uh, future audits that you were doing things correctly and and uh, thoughtfully and and uh, uh, attempting to to minimize the risk of of any uh, criminal activity uh, being being uh, facilitated and 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 support you know reporting it to to government so that they can use that for for investigations and and doing the law enforcement enforcement work that they need to do. 
uh, David, in, once again, in the ABC space, I find this point in time to really be an inflection point around the use of technological solutions to facilitate a best practices compliance program. And I was wondering, from your perspective in the AML space, what are some of the types of solutions that you are either advising your clients on or that you are seeing them bring to bear at this point? And is that sort of increasing or gathering speed? Yeah, so uh, we are uh, big believers in uh, automating the uh, things that uh, humans aren't necessarily uh, uh, well attuned for and great at things like, you know, uh, big volumes of data, sorting through those, uh, that volume of data, being able to, to find the important pieces within that um, uh, huge data set and, and then uh, putting all of that together into a complete picture of what is going on with those transacting parties and in that case. You know, humans just, our minds aren't wired to do that as well as computers can do it. Now, what humans can do very well, obviously, is interpret that, apply judgment to that, use their their uh, training and their experience to, to uh, understand the nuances around those things. And that's where, you know, we're encouraging organizations to automate the former and then free up the investigators and enable the investigators to do what it is that they're very good at uh, with the later. So, Yes, we're, we are delivering automated investigation tools, both in the ABC and the AML space, uh, to enable that, um, that work and, uh, uh, create the efficiencies and, and, you know, make the overall process of an investigation more complete, um, uh, more thought, thoughtful, um, uh, better analytics around it, better insights around it, just, the entire process is able to improve when you automate those parts of the investigation. David, I was wondering if you could give a few words about the Quantiverse uh, Alert Investigator and how really at this point in time, this can be a, a very powerful tool for obviously people in the financial services and financial industry, but perhaps in the broader uh, corporate world as well. Sure. So uh, that uh, the alert investigator tool um, is uh, something that we have developed to match a best practice uh, investigation from the you know time an alert is uh, kicked off from a detection engine. Um, we are able to take that. Our platform is able to take that alert and walk through. There's generally about seven steps in a best practice, starting with validating whether that alert is, in fact, a risk, um, all the way to, to um, um, identifying the beneficiaries of the transactions, i.e., where the money went, um, um, who, who is the ultimate beneficiary of that transaction to, to see if that indicates risk, and multiple steps in between, including profiling the entities and adverse media and looking at network analysis multiple steps inside that best practice investigation is something that has been proven can be done by uh, a machine, by computers, and done very well, and done done in a, uh, a quick manner uh, with limited capacity, uh, if no capacity that, that a human would bring to it, uh, no capacity constraints that a human might bring to it, and again, deliver reporting and insights 
and narratives or pre-written narratives um, or computer-written narratives that the investigator can then use to to make a, a final decision. So, yeah, we've shown uh, it's been shown that both in the ABC as well as the AML space that that automation can be done to to um, uh, brought, brought to bear on investigation. And, and again, what we have developed recently is a contingency plan for those organizations that aren't really ready to adopt that uh, level of automation inside their investigations. But, you know, due to COVID and, and your point at the beginning of this, the ongoing uh, crisis with the coronavirus, they want to make sure that they are capable and have a backup plan in the event that um, their uh, human workforce is no longer able to keep up with their alert volumes. And so, so we have packaged that into a investigator contingency offering um, that they can, uh, you know, with a little bit of work up front um, and minimal costs up front, they can uh, get a, an environment in place that with the flip of a switch, they could begin porting our alert investigator uh, alerts to our alert investigator solution to uh, automate that and, and uh, you know, cover for any investigator shortfall. So, David, fortunately, we are near the end of our time, but uh, I was wondering if anyone wanted more information or, frankly, the just plethora of resources that you have made available and Quantiverse has made available. How could they uh, find out more and where can they go? Well, sure. Our, our website is loaded with information. Um, very easy website, www.quantiverse.net. Um, one of the things that I would highlight um, to them that is available uh, that they can um, take advantage of is a, a draft of a business continuity plan specific for the pandemic. You know, the, the FFIC has stated that uh, organizations are now required to plan for pandemic. And, and that means absent employees for an extended period. And, and most organizations don't have that in their business continuity plans. And so we have created a draft of a uh, BC, BCP pandemic plan document that they can insert into their existing uh, BCP plans and, and uh, um, make it very easy for them. David, I uh, hope that I could perhaps call upon you as we move into Q3 and Q4, and uh, I, I would say anticipate the questions, but given how 2020 has gone, I can't anticipate that, but at least maybe visit about where we are later in the year and where we may be going forward. So thank you again. Happy to, and uh, stay safe and healthy. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast posts three times a week at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. That's 10 a.m. Central Time. I hope you will check out our episodes as we post during this health crisis and economic dislocation. This month on The Compliance Life, I'm featuring Ryan Robelet, who talks about his journey to the CCO chair. I hope you'll join me for another episode of Compliance and Coronavirus, where I bring clarity and sanity to the business executive and compliance professional around these most serious issues. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.